Welcome to the Sober Living Stories podcast. This podcast is dedicated to sharing stories of sobriety. We shine a spotlight on individuals who have faced the challenges of alcoholism and addiction and are today living out their best lives sober. Each guest has experienced incredible transformation and are here to share their story with you. I'm Jessica Stepanovic, your host. Join me each week as guests from all walks of life share their stories to inspire and provide hope to those who need it most. Welcome to Sober Living Stories. My name is Jessica and I'm here today with Stephanie. She is a friend of 11 years and she is here to share part of her life with you. She has four years of continuous sobriety. So welcome, Stephanie. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very grateful to be here today. Right from the beginning, when did you know that something was different or something was off as far as, you know, your trajectory of your life? Well, first of all, I always just felt different from my peers, right? You know, like most of us have felt. I just always compared myself to all of my peers growing up. You know, I was in a single parent home. My father is alcoholic. He's still um, in his active alcoholism, no contact with him. And I felt like I was always surrounded by normal families and I just wasn't one of them, right? When challenges started happening in my life as a teenager, which is when, you know, this, you know, identity crux occurs, I just felt like I was not handling it the way that my peers were. And that was in it's and it didn't start out with drinking right away. It was other things like attention seeking. Just I was always looking for something external to help me feel um, whole inside because I just felt incomplete in some way. But I do remember, um, you know, w- once I did start drinking, it did something for me that I felt like I had been looking for my entire life. And it temporarily made me feel okay. And it's something that I continue to chase for a very, very long time. And I remember being a teenager, probably around 16 and thinking this isn't normal because I wanted to stop. Even at 16, I wanted to stop. And I remember driving to go get more alcohol and crying in the car because I did not want to get more, but I did not know how to live without it either. Come a new relationship or what have you. And and I wouldn't need to drink because that was fulfilling that part of my life. But then when that relationship would end, I would go right back into drinking again. At last that you went along in addiction until you made a change. How many years? I didn't even step foot into recovery until I was 24, 25 years old. So, you know, so from 16 to 25, that's nine years of just trying to convince myself that I got this. I found myself in and out of treatment centers. When I was in these places of structure or when I had this idea of I'm going to go back to school or what have you, I did very well. I thrived in these places, but left my own devices again. I was just off and running. So I could stop for periods of time, but I would always pick up again. I wasn't able to stop completely. And then when I would pick up again, nothing else mattered. It became my priority and I would be at work. And all I could think about was getting off of work so I can drink. 
and I would talk about it at work. I was obsessed with feeling any other way than who I was. I was not comfortable being still, being in my own skin. I needed to be altered to basically live and function effectively, or I thought what I thought would be effective. I would have periods of sobriety where I would get a great job or I would be re-enrolled in school. Scholarships were coming my way. I had mentors and teachers who took me under their wing and everyone had so much hope and potential for me. They would tell me, and then I would just disappear out of their lives completely with no regard to how I left people. And I would be drinking again. And I did not want to drink. I just didn't know how how to completely stay stopped. I ended up getting pregnant at 22. And I thought, okay, this is what I need. A baby will fix everything because I'll be able to parent the way that I wished I was parented and what have you. And by the grace of God, I was able to stay sober and not drink throughout my pregnancy, which I was able to do before for about nine months at a time. But once she was born, I was in that same cycle again. But now here I am responsible for another person. And as I know now with the, with the progression of the disease, my drinking did not get better. In fact, it got worse to the point where the, my custody of her was relinquished. She was, she was put into the custody of her father because I was in no place to take care of her at that point. And once she was removed, I had about four months of just completely off the radar, blackout drinking. And then that's when I made the decision. I was in my mother's garage and I knew that I would die if I didn't do something different. And I remember calling out to God for help. And I, and I had, um, you know, a lot of alcohol around me. I didn't want it anymore. And I really wanted to just stop everything. And I, I cried out for help. And by a series of events and, and just God placing people in my life, I don't even, I'm not really clear with how it happened, but I was able to get to detox. And this was in 2012. And this was my first introduction into recovery. And that's when my life completely changed. Yeah. So, you know, you talk about um, losing custody and I think that that is something that happens more often than we think. And probably one of the most difficult things that takes place, a mother and a child. So what would you say to anyone listening who is in that situation? And because you have completely um, reconciled and restored your life. It took time. Just because I got sober didn't mean that everything should have or could be handed right back to me. I need to I needed to get myself right first. And and I knew that. And I'm so grateful that God did not give me everything back right away like I had wanted him to. It oh, took wow. time. And because of people in recovery that I was surrounded with, there was someone there who had already walked that path. So right, when it was yes. time for me to pursue custody again, I had someone who had gone before me that had substantial solid sobriety to help walk me through that. But in the meantime, I was still suiting up and showing up as a responsible sober parent that, um, mm -hmm. and just really making an effort to show that I was making change in my life. And I wasn't just saying it, I was 
showing by, by my actions as well. In the moment, it can be frustrating because you're like, Hey, I'm sober now. I haven't drank in a year. I have a sponsor. I'm working steps. I'm attending meetings, what have you. Like, why isn't this happening? But people are always around me reminding me to just trust the process. People prayed with me. People also gave me practical advice too of the steps to take. And in the right time, you're right. Everything was restored, completely restored more than what I was originally asking for. So that's such a lesson for me even now to look back on when things aren't working out or aligning in the timing I think it should be to just Mm -hmm. pause and just trust the process because it could be restored or brought to me in a much better way than I even imagined it could be. You know, I know you talked about a community of people surrounding you, and that's so important because that happened with me too. You know, people that were versed in the disease of alcoholism, and they were able to teach me what that looked like and what it wasn't and, and what it's all about. And that helped me a lot. Is there anything that helped you? It was everything. It was completely making it a priority in my life and mm-hmm. watching the women, the women that in this recovery community who had had a past much like mine, maybe not exactly what I was going through, but the feelings were the exact same. These feelings of inadequacy, not knowing how to cope, all all of that stuff, all of those feelings that we have, the depression, the anxiety, just feeling useful in life. So hearing them share on that and then them talking about their life today, or present day, they, they were all role, mo- role models for me and, c- and continue to be. Do you have a particular line or something that maybe somebody said to you that stuck? That they would rather hurt my feelings than see me get buried. Yeah. There's something about this, the recovery community that I, I really love and it's their bare bones truth, mm-hmm. regardless of what it's going to sound like or how you are going to think about it. And I think, I think there's a real life-saving factor in this. I remember somebody telling me, this isn't a popularity contest. We're here to do one thing and that's to stay here and to get well. And and everything else takes second seat. And the yeah. truth hurts. It's, when it hurts that deep, it's, it's because it's, it's true for me. It's when something is, is affecting me so much by what someone says in that way, because, and I'll just say this, my sobriety date is not 2012. It's 2019 because I thought that I was cured of alcoholism after some time in the recovery community. I thought, you know, my life is beautiful. Now I got this. No, I never tried the controlled drinking. I never got to drink margaritas with my neighbors in a subdivision with on Halloween with her. I never, that was never my thing. And I thought, well, maybe it'll be different this time because I have some knowledge of the disease. I have a God in my life. I have a spiritual foundation. So just maybe, and I had convinced myself of that. And so I decided, I decided to leave. And I did drink again. And I found myself right back where I was when I first came in. I was depressed. I was anxious. I was seeking psychiatrists, 
to to give me something to fix the the depression and anxiety I was feeling that the program had resolved in me. You know, not that all of that completely went away right away, but I was given tools in recovery that I was now seeking medication for. And that's just my pattern. I want the easier, easiest, quickest way to get to wellness without putting any work in. And I was drinking for 18 months. And I will tell you that it was complete torture because I had a foundation and knowledge of recovery, the beautiful life and the friendships that it gave me. And I traded it all in thinking that it would be different this time. And Mm -hmm. I was depressed all over again and trying to convince myself on a daily basis that I was different. Non-alcoholics don't have to convince themselves on a daily basis that they're not alcoholics. They don't even think about it. And here I am obsessing (laughs) over it every single day. So true. So the turning point was I started going to therapy because I thought, well, maybe a therapist can tell me if I'm alcoholic or not. Mm -hmm. And (laughs) I'm so grateful that I landed in her office of all the therapists in my area. I was with this woman named Michelle and she very clearly told me, I can't tell you if you are or if you're not. But what I can tell you is that God is not a God of confusion. So if I were you, I would get on your knees and pray for some discernment and clarity in your life. And mind you, the week prior to this session, she had done some kind of therapy tool where she puts up everyone's name in the family on this board, your ancestry. And she went through and she said, we're going to mark off everyone in your family that is alcoholic, addicted, or have mental illness. And she went through everyone on both sides. And when she was done, she took a step back and gasped. And I looked at her like, what? And she said, it literally did not skip anyone. And it was kind of like this moment of who am I to think that this just magically skipped me? You know, I'm just so special that I don't Mm -hmm. have this ease either. Went home that night and I did what she asked me to do. I, I prayed and I asked God for discernment and clarity. Do I need to go back into, into recovery? My husband was preparing for a trip to New York the next day with two of our kids to go see family. I wasn't going because I had an infant at home. And in the years prior, when I was going to New York to visit his family, I would attend recovery meetings that were suggested of me to do. And I would meet women and network and I would save their numbers in my phone. And the very next morning after I prayed that prayer, I woke up to a text from a woman in New York. Her name was Michelle. And I had her saved in my phone as Michelle NY Recovery. And I have no idea who she is. I don't remember saving her number in my phone, but clearly I had met her and saved her number. And she sent me this text that said something along the lines of, may God's grace and mercy follow you, be with you, restore you, something to that effect. And it was literally like a text message from God because I was just on my knees the night before praying for discernment and clarity of where do I need to go? And this woman from the rooms of recovery texted me the, you know, and her name was the same name as my therapist. I was in her name, which is where my husband was going. And so the, the last thing there was recovery. And so 
it took me like eight hours to text her because I'm like, why did you text this to me? I'm just curious. Thank you for sending it. But why? And she said, oh my gosh, I sent this to the wrong Stephanie. But it no was way. That's incredible. But it was clearly for me. You know, clearly. <laughs> I feel like God loves me so much like he does us all. And I asked for clarity and discernment and he gave it to me. And I went the very next day to back to a meeting and picked up a white chip. And and I've been since then. It's like all lined up, isn't it? You know, they say pray and pay attention, right? Right. <laughs> so that's what you did. That's incredible. So so I had this moment, this moment of coming back into the rooms and making a decision to not drink. And I still wasn't even sure, you know, I still, because the bottom I reached the second time didn't look as bad as the first time. The first time, sure, it looked horrible. My child was gone. I had no car, no money, no license, no job, no housing, right? It's like, clearly this girl needs help. The second time coming in, I had all that. I had my children. I had a marriage. We owned a home. We had the white picket fence, the cars in the garage. The the outside, you saw me on Instagram. It looked perfect, you know, but it was that internal bottom that I had reached. There was a woman after one of the meetings and she said, you know, just give it 30 days. Just keep coming for 30 days. And within those 30 days, I was meeting with my sponsor on a regular basis every week. And it was during one of those meetings, we were reading step one. And I had this moment on the very last page of, oh my gosh, I'm, I will, if I do not stay, I will die. My uncle had committed suicide while I was on my relapse, you know? And I remember feeling scared when that happened because I'm like, oh my gosh, this can't happen to me. It won't happen. And so I'm so thankful I listened to this woman and to have her tell me, just give it 30 days. It was practical and it was, doable. More was revealed. I knew in that moment after reading step one, if I don't stay, the depression will take me out because I will end my life. I needed that piece of information this time. You know, and you mentioned your uncle and I just want to say, cause I, I, I gosh, I think of this probably on a daily. Cause I, I don't want to talk about sobriety without talking about people that you know, honoring people that have lost their lives to this disease, because I I don't think I know anyone who is in this community that doesn't know someone who lost their life to drugs or alcohol, you know, and sometimes, and perfect example, you know, just to honor their lives, we live ours because sometimes people pass so that we can live. So true. Thank you for sharing that. I think about him so often and how this really does stop with me. You know, like it's not just wishing and hoping it's taking the action and taking yes. the, and doing things I don't want to do. Yeah. And just the, in sharing about what that therapist said, you know, it, it did not skip one person. And so that, that revelation you that, Hey, who am I to think that it's going to skip me? But then for you to take that one step further and say, but this is going to stop here. I give you huge recognition and admiration for that because that is not easy thing to do, but I know you're committed to it and you're dedicated to it. And I see your beautiful family. And so 
you know, there's all the incentive in the world. I'm so grateful that, that we have a way of life where sure I'm sober, but I still make mistakes. I'm human, but the tools I have to pass on to my children who I pray, of course, that they don't have to experience what I went through. Just, it's incredible. The gifts that I never would have had access to just stopping wouldn't have been enough because there's a lot of behavioral changes and, you know, ways that we're doing things different in my home that I never had the privilege of experiencing growing up. And, and that's okay. You know, I, I know that my mom did the best she could. I know that. And I love her and there are no hard feelings there at all. I'm so grateful though, that today things can be done differently for my children. I thank you for, for coming on here and sharing parts of your life with people who are listening, who are trying to get this thing, you know, and I really appreciate that. It takes a lot of courage. And I hope that you would come back on here sometime to share more. Of course. Thank you so much for asking me to come on. And I love this space, this community that you've created. It's, it's wonderful. I'm so grateful that you asked me to be here today. Thank you for tuning into the Sober Living Stories podcast. If you have been inspired, consider subscribing and sharing with anyone who could use hope in their lives. Remember to stay tuned for more inspiring stories in the episodes to come. To view our featured author of the month or to become a guest yourself, visit www.jessicastepanovic.com.